So first I wanted to say tonight how, how happy I am to be here and happy that you're here. Uh, this is my first Tuesday night of 2014. It's reverberating a little. I've just, uh, I've just returned from leading a retreat at Spirit Rock, and I noticed tonight there are several people here who are on retreat, and I hope, for those of you who are just coming off of retreat, I hope your transition has gone smoothly. And it's, um, I'm very happy to have uh, the opportunity to, in the middle of my daily life, and hopefully that... Uh, you like having that opportunity in your daily life to sit quietly and to, to remember what needs to be remembered. And for me, Tuesday night is a night of remembering. And so tonight I was thinking about what it, especially at the beginning of the year, the relative beginning of the year, uh, what is it that I want to remember and and I probably you have some ideas of what you need to remember that are very specific to your life. But in the context of, um, of the teachings of awakening of the Buddha, uh, the context of, the, um, of, the, of your interest in meditation and the power of, of mindfulness and loving-kindness, uh, I thought that I, I compiled a little list in my mind of what I thought uh, might be useful to talk about. Of course, the first thing that, uh, that on the surface that I think we need to remember, that it's not necessarily uh, the best news you'll hear uh, tonight, is that, um, is that life is impermanent. I think, it's a, I think it is our best teacher the fact that uh, whatever comes into being uh, doesn't last. And our, whole, our life is like that. And everything that we experience in our life is, is temporary. And why does that sound like, why is this ultimately good news? Anybody willing to say, why is this ultimately good news to remember this? Nobody. Please. We, we can appreciate the things that are wonderful and be excited that the hard things will pass. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yes. All of this could be encapsulated in the, the words that, some of the words that Tara shared in the Donna talk is the, the joy of, of letting go. The fact of impermanence teaches us that clinging to that which is changing, whether it is our youth, unfortunately, our youth is not very reliable. Our health, Unfortunately, our health is not reliable, even when we're in the best of health. And clearly, our life is not reliable. So we cannot hold on to our youth, we can't hold on to our health, 
and we can't hold on to our life. Because holding on, clinging to that which is changing, brings tension and suffering to our minds. It makes us feel tight, separate, apart from the flow of life, literally out of sync with the way things are, with what we call the Dharma, the way things are. The way things are is that everything that arises has the nature to pass away. And one could say that the only difference between a Buddha and an ordinary person, and I'm considering all of you Buddhas tonight, the only difference between a Buddha and an ordinary person is a Buddha knows that whatever arises passes away. And ordinary beings in their delusion uh, are somehow oblivious to this fact. We all know it intellectually, but we live as though, as the Dalai Lama says, we live as though we're never going to die, and our eye is often on things that can't give us lasting satisfaction. This is uh, what the Buddha says, or uh, not the Buddha, but the Dalai Lama, the living Buddha. The Dalai Lama, when asked what surprised him most about humanity, answered, man, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money, then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health, and then he's so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present, the result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he's never going to die, and then he dies having never really lived. So as Tanya was saying, by living with the understanding of impermanence, we appreciate the things in our life. We know that they may be like quicksand slipping through our hands, but we know that, that this moment is precious. And I don't want to be oblivious to the, the people in my life, to, the, to the, whatever I do in my life, whatever I, in whatever way I serve. I want to be able to look back knowing that it will pass. To the extent that I'm able to look back, think about it, reflect on it, that I, that I did it well and that I did it thoroughly. And, and when I think about the people who I have connected with in my life, even that day, I want to be able to think that I, I was present with them, I loved them well, I cared for them. And so something about impermanence reminds us to do that. So my recommendation is, and the same recommendation that the Buddha made, is to reflect every day on the fact of impermanence. In fact, there are five daily reflections that uh, I think are, are very useful for our life. They're not, um, they won't immediately make you leap for joy. They will settle you into a kind of sober uh, recognition of the truth of things. But it turns out that that allowing us to open to the truth, even if initially it makes us a little grumpy, that, it, that this settling into the reality of life the way it is, is the doorway, is the gateway to a deep sense of, of joy, the joy of being, the, 
a deep sense of joy, of calm, of a calm abiding, a deep immersion and connection with life just the way it is, which is the melting away of that feeling of, of being uh, at odds with it, feeling contentious, feeling, feeling apart from life, like something's wrong with it. But in harmony with it, uh, there's, a, there's a feeling of being home again. So here's what the Buddha recommended. Uh, there are five contemplations for everyone. Whether a man or a woman, a householder, or one gone forth as a monk, what five facts one, should one attend to? I'm sure to become old. I cannot avoid aging. I'm sure to become ill. I can't avoid illness. I'm sure to die. I can't avoid death. I must be separated and parted from all that is near and beloved to me. And finally, the one that to me is the doorway to what's very hopeful about, uh, another hopeful part about impermanence and reality, is I am the owner of my actions, heir of my actions. Actions are the womb from which I have sprung. Actions are my relations. Actions are my protection. Whatever actions I do, wholesome or unwholesome, of these I shall become the heir. This is the reminder that although things are impermanent, every single moment of our lives, every precious moment, is the womb out of which our future present moments are born. So whatever any of us does, this year, this day, this hour, whatever anyone does with our body, what we do, what we think, and what we say, every single moment's action, otherwise known as karma, plants a seed. And, and our life becomes the, the fruit of that of whatever it is that we're doing. So at the beginning of the year, this is a wonderful opportunity, even though this, if we really sit in the, in the reality of here and now, there's, there's no 2014, there's no January, there's no Tuesday night. These are concepts. This is, a, this is an overlay on an indescribable reality. But it's also, a, these are also on the other hand, useful concepts that give us the, a sense of the passing of time, give us a sense of, a, of some parameters to our lives, give us a reminder that, yes, this is the beginning, which any moment can be for that matter, this is the beginning of the next, uh, of the next phase, which is we usually mark in, in years. And for this year, I have this opportunity to, to plant uh, whatever I do, say, or think will become what my year becomes. So what seed do I want to plant? And clearly this, by, by the fact that the, that the Buddha says that our actions, that we are the owner of our actions, heir of, my, of our actions. Actions are the womb from which we have sprung, and actions are our relations, actions are protection. 
Whatever actions I do, good or bad, of these I shall become the heir. It means that uh, whatever we do uh, becomes our, our life. And clearly, we don't want to cause ourselves or anybody harm. We don't want to cause ourselves harm by, um, by um, being dishonest, by clouding our minds with uh, excessive use of intoxicants. We don't want to tell lies. We want, don't want to cause harm with our speech. There's, what else don't we want to do this year? Anybody willing to say, what, do you not, what kind of seed do you not want to plant? There's no... Resentment. resentment. We don't want to plant the seed of resentment, Kirti? We don't want to plant the seed of worry. I don't want to be too hard on myself. Exactly. What's the fruit of being hard on ourselves? We're just hard on ourselves. <laughs> What's the fruit of worry? Worry. What is the fruit of anxiety? Anxiety. Worry and being hard on ourselves and so many other actions of, of our, that are habitual actions, unfortunately, they have never made us any happier. They've only dug, dug a, a hole. They've, they've made us feel that we are somehow insufficient, not enough, and convinced us of something that's completely erroneous and not very helpful. So what do we want to, what seeds do we want to plant? Clearly, what the Buddha suggested that we plant is the seed of, we want to plant um, the seed of kindness. We want to do everything, everything possible to remember our love of love, not our love of hatred. It's so easy to get irritated. It's so easy to get resentful. Somebody said resentful. Who said resentful? Somebody, Carrie. It is so easy to, be, to become, because we lose a sense of balance, partly from living in a, in a distorted sense of reality, when we lose our sense of balance, we're easily looking for uh, someone, something to blame for our loss of our sense of centeredness our loss of our sense of harmony with things the way they are. And so our mind often will go out. The moment we feel a little irritated, we find somebody who we can attribute our irrit irritation to, someone to blame. I've told endless stories about my own tendency to, uh, when something, something arises in my life or someone arises in my life that uh, where whatever they do or say, I start to feel, uh, I start to feel uh, thrown off balance. My tendency, which is slowly, slowly easing after 40-something years of meditation practice, my tendency is to go for the jugular very quickly and to, uh, to eat, quickly attribute my dis-ease to what somebody else has done or said. Uh, when in fact, everything that I experience is ultimately 
uh, a projection of my own mind. That my irritation, the irritation is arising based on views and opinions. And everything that I'm irritated about somebody else, it's really something going on with me. The main thing being I've lost center. I've lost my cool. And when I lose my cool, I can make a case for, as I often say here on Tuesday, I'm, I can make a case for the prosecution with the best of them. But when I'm, when I, uh, when I, instead of feeding whatever that case against someone, instead of doing that, and, and instead I bring the attention back to this, to, with mindful attention and kindness to whatever it is that's occurring within this mind and body, I see that, that there is a disturbance. That there is a, and that disturbance is more caused because the view that I have, that that things should be a certain way, the disturbance comes because I've some view about myself has been uh, deflated, or or some pride that I had and some sense of control has been frustrated in some way, or I haven't gotten what I wanted, and. So consequently, it's so easy, and for myriad reasons, I can, I can get uh, angry. And unfortunately, my anger has never brought any relief. It's only, only brought or f- helped me flex that muscle of irritation more. And so, as the Buddha said, hatred never ceases by hatred, by love alone. And because of the tendency for ill will and irritation and frustration and and all the form and fear and all the forms of, of aversion, every person, if you truly, if I think for myself, if I truly love love, which we all feel so much better when we're in a state of of connection, in a state of well-being, in a state of wholeness, when in a when in a play, in a state of self-caring in a state of caring for others, that availability, that fullness, anyone who values that is going to do everything possible. Spend the entire year planting the seeds of love. Now, you may think, well, I'm an angry person. I can't love. I don't love. My heart's tight, or whatever it is your view of yourself. This is also a, a huge distortion that I think at the beginning of the year it's good to remember that we are as fluid as fluid can be. And we are, because of the, the, the fact of unfolding um, present moments, because of the fact that every seed that we plant becomes our future life, we have this amazing capacity to train ourselves, to orient ourselves to the qualities that we would like to really shine in our lives. Not, we're not simply victims to the the conditions that have come before, to all the, the messes that we've made. We certainly are, have to experience the fruits of whatever we've practiced before, but every moment from this day until, until the end of your life, you're going to be planting seeds. So why not love? Why not love every single day? And why not, why not uh, harmlessness every day? Does this seem like something you'd like to be able to remember during the year, or is it just me? (laughs) 
Often when I talk about planting seeds, I, I think of the poem, which I don't have with me tonight, from Hafez, where he says, uh, you carry all the ingredients to turn your existence into a nightmare. Don't mix them. You carry all the ingredients to turn your existence into joy. Mix them, mix them. And so that's, I definitely want to remember. The second, another thing I want to remember besides the, the reflection on the, on the reality of impermanence, reflection on the fact that my actions bear fruit, uh, and that uh, so that, that my life is precious and my actions are precious. I also want to remember remember my love that I love uh, peace, that I love peace more than I love anything. And the way, reason I say that, that I love peace more than anything. Why do I say that? I say that because of all the th things that I search for, everything that every kind of experience that I pursue, every kind of person that I try to, in, that I, I attempt to engage with in my life, every plan, every strategy, the hidden aim in everything that I do ultimately is to be able to feel at the end of that rainbow, at the end of, the, of my search, I want to be able to feel a sense of relief, a sense of peace. So I came to the conclusion that, uh, that that's what I'm always looking for, is peace. Does that seem resonant with you? That's the hidden aim? That when all of a sudden I can just breathe and say, oh, done was what needed to be done, I can just relax here. And the unfortunate part about that, that little mental, emotional strategy to, um, to go searching for peace, saving peace for the end of whatever project or end of uh, whatever search. The, the problem with searching for peace is that you overlook the, the fact that peace is your very nature. Peace is your natural state. Peace is you always and already. And so I want to remember for the next 12 months and forever to bring everything in my life, to bring every experience, every plan, every relationship, everything that happens to me in this unfolding present and however, however my life comes to me. And I say that that way for a reason, the way life comes to me, because I realize that I never go anywhere. And those of you who are sitting with me, I probably went on about this ad nauseum, but 
But the fact is, I have never, ever, 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 and not one, of the, one person here has ever left the present moment. And that we only ever are here and now. And the way that we actually experience life is that moment by moment, ever-changing, things come into our field of awareness, come into consciousness, come into view, ever fluid, sights, sounds, smells, sensations, moods, people, dramas, wars, traumas, everything, it shows up in the unfolding present. Does that resonate with you at all? That there's only present. So any thought that we have come from the past we're moving through the present on our way to the future is a little story. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a view of reality that isn't actually how we experience things. It's a picture. And it requires creating a picture of somebody, you know, we have to have had an image of ourselves in the mirror kind of moving forward. And of course, because we're, we do move, we think that we actually are going to the future, but even when we're moving, we're always right where we are. So when, if, when I realize that I'm only and always here, yet my life is a, is a, is a series of changing experiences, it's, it's amazing what a drama life is. It's just wild, everything that happens. And, of course, if I'm really here in the reality of being here, I realize that uh, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't. Hang on. I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm, I know that I may, I would like to see my year go very well, so I'm going to do as best I can to plant seeds so that my life unfolds as harmoniously as possible. So I'm going to plan, I'm going to vision, I'm going to... Uh, see what kinds of education I need, I'm going to see what kinds of skills I need, all that happens here. And then I'm going to execute whatever it is that I'm doing. Now, for everything that I'm going to do and everything that I'm going to plan, if I don't leave here, I'm going to be a lot more peaceful. I'm going to know, if I don't leave home, I'm going to, I'm going to feel the peace of, of being settled where I am. I'm not going to hold that peace hostage to the way things turned out. I'm going to know I have that already. I have peace already, and so do you. So just check it out right now. If you don't, if you don't look ahead or create the future in your mind and believe that it's really there, it's just thoughts in the present moment, you, if you don't create the past, or even if you do, just re realize that it's thoughts in the present moment, you just stay here for a moment which is, in some ways, it's not being caught in what's next, it's not being caught in what's before. You're just here, thinking about this or that, or not thinking. You'll notice that without much effort at all, without any effort, that there is the, the end of the rainbows here. Peace, relief, ease, balance, enough. So I want to remember that I love peace more than, than uh, trying to get someplace. I say that partly because I, 
I used to, as a classic of the different character types in the Buddhist tradition, the classic character types are the greed type or the grasping type, the aversion type, and the deluded type. The deluded types are just go into a kind of obliviousness in their lives and just kind of figure out ways to check out. The aversive types spend a lot of time seeing what's wrong with things and, and create, say, try to create safety and, and security through, through being hypervigilant to what's wrong. And, and of course, they're very often aversive types are very discerning. They kind of, they're really got very keen vision of what's wrong, but they, they get caught in a kind of, um, in a kind of uh, contraction. And greed types are always looking for the next experience. They, their defense is to keep the golden dreams moving and keep the, keep the entertainment going in, in whatever way, whether it's shopping or whether it's traveling or just something. But it's a kind of defensive response to uh, just to deal with the, the difficulties and the challenges of, of our life. So I was, my mind has always been kind of inclined toward what's next and greed. And I noticed after practicing for a while, I noticed that because my mind would often look to the next experience, I, I noticed that my stomach was tight a lot. I had a really tight stomach. And until I started exploring, you know, why is my stomach tight? I realized that a lot of the tension in my belly was that I was holding out. I was holding out till I got what I want. I noticed that when I did a project, I was holding out for the end of the project. When I went to work, I was waiting for the weekend. When I did a home improvement project, I was waiting for it to finish. And I used to give a lot of Dharma talks about how, um, how home improvement, I, I had my mantra became home improvement is endless. And so and then I realized it was true about self-improvement. And I was always looking for the, for the end. And I wouldn't let myself completely relax. And I noticed when I realized that, that I had, was holding myself, waiting all week for the weekend, waiting, wait, constantly in a state of waiting, something in it, me relaxed. And I realized with that, with that tight stomach relaxed, peace was there, open and inviting, comfortable. And that the project wasn't done yet. The weekend wasn't there. And I realized that if I want to, the one seed I want to plant every year, and it's for all of you greed types out there, and I think we live in a culture of greed where, you know, the whole consumer machine needs to keep us greedy to keep going, you know. So we're all inundated with that kind of propaganda that you have to have and do things to become happy when really it's exactly the opposite. True happiness is found in just openness, in presence. That nothing can make you happier than you are fundamentally in your nature. That all search for it and waiting for it is misery. And this is what we're practicing every day, misery. I don't want to practice misery anymore. I don't want to practice holding out. I don't want to practice any kind of postponement of what is rightfully, intrinsically, my true home, which is peace.
and ease and freedom. And not one of our steps ultimately, um, you know, we don't have to step one inch out of this moment to find it. So, of course, this is why it's so useful to practice uh, meditation, to practice loving kindness, to bring loving attention to ourselves as we are, to bring loving, relaxed, kind, interested attention to the reality of the present moment because it's orienting us. It's sinking us into the only reality there is instead of some kind of virtual reality, manufactured sense of time, manufactured sense of what will bring us happiness. And yes, we do get happy when we get what we want or get rid of what we don't want. We get lots of happy. But we waited a long time for it, and you don't have to. You can be happy and still get what you want and not have to be in a state of anxiety while you're waiting, a state of wondering, is this going, am I ever going to get what I want? And am I, am I ever going to meet that person? Am I ever going to be thin? Am I ever going to get... Instead of being in that state of anxiety, we can relax. It's okay. It's your birthright. You don't have to... It's completely independent of your efforts. Peace. You don't have to earn it. Unfortunately, the practice is that you have to remember it and you have to clear away all the mistaken notions that you have of what... Uh, of of what you think will make you happy. And that's what practice wakes us up to the reality that uh, you have, that everything you need is right here. Because as long as you live in that state of postponement, you live in the state of being a dissatisfied person, of somebody who feels that life isn't quite, uh, that you're not quite getting it. And of course, because you see all these idealized images of people who are happy and beautiful and, and rich and, and have everything and winners, then we somehow think that somehow, somehow uh, we have to be other than the way we are. And so get all kinds of ideas of, of um, inadequacy, insufficiency. We get hard, we're hard on ourselves because somehow whatever the self that we imagine ourselves to be is not good enough or doesn't do things right. Or, and all of that, mostly, um, these ideas about ourselves, they describe somebody that doesn't exist. It's just a virtual you. The you that, you, that, that is so miraculous is the you that's sitting here right now that's indescribable. It's just fully yourself. So even though I think the last time I was here, I talked about wake up and see through the self-illusion. It doesn't mean to see through the self-illusion doesn't mean to see through your individuality, your unique expression. It means to see through the illusion of that virtual version of yourself. You're not, you're not describable. Not one person here is describable. What can you say about yourself if you base your description on the reality be right here. What can you say, really, other than I, I'm here? I am aware. I'm awake. But we, we go into the, into the memory branks, and, I, and I'm, 
I'm too something, or I should be something, or I was that, and I hope I'm that. And we miss, I miss this immediacy, this aliveness, this wholeness that I am right here. So I, I, I want to remember that again and again this year. I think I've gone over time. I've only, I'm only about a quarter of the way through my list, so I'll keep going for the next five or six weeks. But maybe a little, just while I was on the topic of our, our self-story, our mistaken views about ourselves, this is what Sri Nisargadatta, an Advaita Vedanta master, said. You need not correct yourself. Only set right your idea of yourself. Learn to separate yourself from the image in the mirror. Keep on remembering, I'm neither the mind nor its ideas. Do it patiently and with conviction, and you will surely come to the direct vision of yourself as the source of being, knowing, loving, eternal, all-embracing, all-pervading. You are the infinite focused in a body. Now you see the body only. Try earnestly, and you will come to see the infinite only. So you are really in search of yourself without knowing it. You are love, longing for the love-worthy, the perfectly lovable. Due to ignorance, you're looking for it in the world of opposites and contradictions. When you find it within, your search will be over. So finding it within is just you being aware right now. And trying to imbue that being aware right now with the, and letting the aware right now be imbued with the kindness that is, that is natural to us. And since we're, some of us are hard, and from time to time we're all, our hearts are all hardened, we, we have to whittle away at our hearts by caring for ourselves, caring for each other, consciously planting seeds of love every day. So I, I guess the only thing I leave you with tonight is the recommendation, if you want to take one thing with you, is to take the recommendation that you have as your number one form of thought be thoughts of loving kindness. Just from the moment you wake up in the morning till the time you go to bed, loving kindness toward yourself, loving kindness toward others. And just to give a little blast for that, I'll read the, the sutra that the Buddha suggests that he shared, the teaching the, where he suggested the practice of loving kindness, and then we'll go home. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. That's kind of revolutionary, isn't it? It's amazing how foreign it sounds in our crazy world. I, th that's not what the Buddha said. <laughs> humble... Humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways.
peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies, downward to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from the dependency on sense desires, is not born again into this world of suffering. So may all beings be touched by loving kindness, especially ourselves. May all beings feel safe in this world from inner and outer harm. May all beings feel health and strength. And may all beings have ease in their hearts and a sense of well-being. May our, all beings be free and may our practice and our life and our work be dedicated to the welfare of all beings. Thank you for listening, staying, and supporting each other, and hope to see you next Tuesday. And put uh, February 2nd on your calendar for a little half day. And Anyway, nice being with you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.